Hello, everybody. Welcome to the inaugural Film for Fans podcast, your home for all the movie news, reviews, and movie fan views. This is supposed to be a podcast from movie fans for movie fans. I will be your host, Ryan Dunleavy, and I'm joined by my amazing co-host, Rob Dunham. How you doing, I Rob? am amazing. Hey, that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> nice to see you. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right. So this is exciting. This is exciting. I know I'm excited. You're excited um, to launch this podcast venture. Um, both of us have been very huge movie fans for a very long time, and so we thought it would be fun to share some of our thoughts and our conversations with lots of people and just engage in some fun movie dialogue. I think our dozens of fans who don't know there are fans yet are also very excited. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and there will be more every single day. I'm confident of it. <laughs> so uh, just to give you a little rundown of what you can expect from our podcast. So like we said at the intro, we're going to be a movie podcast for movie fans. So we're going to talk about all different aspects of movies. We're going to bring you great discussion from all the different parts of the movie industry from a fan's perspective. We'll cover news. We'll cover theater experiences, whenever we can have theater experiences, uh, trends in the movie industry, and of course, movie reviews, the staple of all things movies. Um, so what you'll get from us on our general format is we'll start off the top with uh, any particular news items. Then we'll get into some movie-related discussion topics each week, and we'll wrap up with our watch list, things that we have watched and that we are going to watch. So for tonight's episode, what we're going to be discussing is we'll discuss a couple of Netflix releases. We're going to talk a little bit about drive-in theaters, um, The Dark Knight, 12th anniversary, and of course, our watch list. So let's dive straight into the news. And Rob, man, this news came out today and I, I was hoping not have to kick off with depressing news. But Pretty much the worst news for starting a movie podcast is that we're not going to see movies for a while. Yeah. <laughs> we picked a wonderful time to launch a movie podcast when there are no <laughs> movies. But the news of the day is that Tenant has been delayed again. For those of you who might not be familiar, Tenant was supposed to be the latest release from director Christopher Nolan, who was the director of the Dark Knight trilogy, Inception, Dunkirk, Interstellar, uh, one of the best directors out there. And his movie, Tenant, uh, was originally scheduled to debut this past week in July 17th. And it has experienced multiple delays related to, of course, COVID-19. So it was delayed originally until July 31st, and then it was delayed till August 12th. And just today, it was announced it was delayed again. But this time, the studio did not give it any sort of backup release date. They've just pulled it indefinitely. Um, they're hoping, again, to get it out by the end of the year at some point. Uh, but this is, this is, this is tough news. This is tough news. What, what did you think about it? Uh, I did see that they are talking about releasing it in Europe now in August, since they've been able to make it through some of the issues a bit quicker than we have. And, uh, 
you know, I don't think you can penalize theaters in other parts of the world where they're prepared for this, but it's going to be really frustrating if this movie comes out somewhere else and it's spoiled for me before I watch it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that's, that's one of the crazy things about it is they've kind of talked about in the article of, oh, about the delay, they talked about the fact that they're probably going to release this in different places at different times. It's not going to be a conventional release. And yeah, it's just, it's just disappointing. It just feels like there's everything just keeps getting pushed back when it comes to movies. And it's really a signal that we're going to be pushing everything back because this was really the, the flagpole, if you, the tent pole, if you will, for all the movies that were going to be coming out this summer. And so to push that back is a signal from, I think the studios in general, that they're, they, they're kind of waving the white flag for uh, the blockbuster season of the summer and trying to move forward past it. Yeah, it's really crazy when you think about it. Um, Because this really is the lodestone of the movie industry. And once this, this, uh, once the delay started and everything that is, everyone was counting on Tenet to be the movie that got people back into theaters. And so the significance for movie fans of this particular release is there's a possibility that this may be an avalanche effect of everything being pushed back further. Um, there's a bunch of other movies that are scheduled to come out around this time. Um, I know both AMC and Regal, two of the big theater chains, was scheduled to open up the last weekend in July. So if if this ends up being a domino effect, if everything gets pushed back, then you know we may end up with a summer movie season with no movies. That's kind of hard to believe. Well, that's okay because we have lots of old movies to talk about. And new ones coming out. <laughs> yes. In, in other forms other than the theater. Yes. So it's tough. I mean, it's it's really tough because all those industries are so dependent on each other. And at some point, somebody is going to have to take a risk and release a movie. At some point, it's going to have to happen, even though, you know, I don't think the movie industry itself can wait until everything is back completely to normal to release movies. So at some point, somebody's going to have to let a movie come out, even if it might not make as much money as they would have hoped to to make at an original point. But who knows what movie that's going to be. But it's not going to be Tenet. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Right now, the first big release is scheduled to be Mulan. Um, we'll see. We'll see if that gets delayed or what happens with that. So, all right, enough of the depressing news. Let's move on. All right. So Netflix. Netflix has announced a couple of things, and uh, one of the things it is planning on um, releasing. It announced this week that the movie Gray Man which will star Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans is coming to Netflix and it will actually tentatively be their biggest budget release ever at $200 million, which is a huge release for a non-major studio. Uh, So what do you think about this? Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans. I mean, it's pretty obvious that Netflix seems to be, leading a charge into producing more original content with bigger name actors and actresses and 
uh, really seems like this the Netflix brand has created uh, cachet among the actors and actresses in Hollywood that they are very interested and invested in wanting to be associated with a company like that. And um, that it doesn't always lead to the highest quality content, but you know, there's growing pains with any studio and uh, I'm really interested and intrigued to see what they do going forward with some bigger names in the roster. Yeah, it's hard to get two bigger male movie stars right now than Gosling and Evans, given all the stuff that they've been in and their their cachet. So it certainly, certainly brings a degree of heft and weight to the project. Um, I have not been overly impressed with a lot of Netflix's movie releases so far, but it really, it's it's intriguing. And it's intriguing that they continue to ramp up the budgets on their productions. I'm curious, I'm curious, I, I should look into this at some point. Maybe we can do a podcast on it, of like the Netflix business model, because mm. it seems interesting to me how a studio who's basically monthly subscriber based for revenue, how they can afford to put out some of these big release movies when they're not, you don't have to pay extra for them. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. just curious. I'm curious how that business model works. I think you have a lot of people signed up for that monthly subscription, basically. Yeah. Like, are you, are they counting on, I'm curious, because are they counting on getting so many more people to sign up because they have this movie to cover the cost? Or I'm, I'm curious as to how that, how that works. In that it's industry. certainly been the model in the past with bringing in big name TV shows across different streaming platforms that um, HBO Max being a recent example with Friends, they expect... Mm-hmm a whole bunch of people to come on board just because of that. And and a lot of the marketing is geared towards that. So I think that uh, when it comes to a new movie release too, I, I believe that they're trying to use the same model. Yeah. And and what's different about it is because these are new movies, unknown content, like obviously friends is a known Mm -hmm. quantity. And even with uh, Disney plus like the Mandalorian, while that was a new thing, star Wars is clearly a big brand. So it will be interesting to see if just the star power from Gosling and Evans will be enough to uh, enough to drive them forward to make this movie a success. So um, kind of moving on from that release, one that is being declared a success by Netflix, one of their latest releases, uh, The Old Guard, starring Charlize Theron. It is supposedly already a top 10 Netflix debut and one of the highest debuting movies on the Netflix platform. So Dunham, what do you, have you, have you seen the old guard? Have you watched any trailers of it? I've not seen it yet. Have you? I have not watched it yet. I, I spent, I spent some time to watch the trailer earlier in the week um, to see what it was, what it was going to be about. And I have to say like, the trailer itself was not particularly super intriguing. I didn't necessarily feel like I had to watch this movie. So when I caught the news that this is being, this has been a huge release for them, I was a little surprised. I think one of the things that helps movies become big on Netflix is the algorithms that they use and pushing the content to the front. Uh, when you log in to your Netflix account, if you have one, you'll see, that they very recently added like a top 10 
U.S. in the top 10 worldwide category, and there will be little bookmarks on the movies and shows themselves. And so I think that draws people in because I think they see, oh, a whole bunch of other people are watching this, so maybe I should give it a shot. Or they might see that and look it up and see what it's about and then decide they want to watch it. I know my wife and I had a similar experience with a actually a foreign film a few weeks ago that was number one in the world. And I don't think we would have heard about it necessarily otherwise unless there was that little bookmark on the picture of the movie. So that does drive people to check things out. Mm -hmm. I also wonder if an element of this also is there's so little new content coming out for movies because we've now hit several months without any new movies coming out. And even the release of stuff that had been in theaters on the, on the video and streaming, that's quantity is limited. So I wonder how much of it is the actual quality of the film or if it's just a sign that we're just that desperate for new content at this point, we'll take it wherever it comes from. I don't know about you, but it feels like about five years since we saw the goldfinch in the theater. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Oh, man. The last movie I saw in the theater that was a new release was uh, Invisible, uh, The Invisible Man. Mm-hmm. And so that was uh, that was right before theaters shut down. So it does feel like forever since we've had a lot of new content. So I wonder how much of that it is, how much of that's driving some of the some of the numbers for this. But it will be intriguing, and uh, we can talk about it a little bit more when we get to watch list stuff. But anything else? Anything else about the old guard from Netflix? I'm gonna check it out. Uh, I are, I'm already claiming it for my watch list. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> Nice. So yeah, it will be interesting. It will be interesting to see if some of this type of content will continue to catch on if Netflix can actually succeed in becoming a legitimate movie generating industry. All right. So let's move on to a couple of discussion topics for tonight. Um, so because theaters are still shut down for the most part, and we're not quite sure when we're getting this in, one thing that has been running is drive-in theaters. And so drive-in theaters have become a little bit of a uh, return to prominence. So Rob, you and I have both had drive-in theater experiences recently. Uh, what can you tell us about drive-ins? And do you think that this could be something that helps save the movie industry? Uh, I've been to the drive-in The Point in Northumberland Pennsylvania several times this summer now and a lot of it is because I've had that desire to go see movies and it's been one of the few places that I could go and it's a place I feel safe and comfortable and everyone has to wear masks in the snack area and then you're outside away from everyone there's plenty of distance because there's plenty of room for cars to bark on the grass uh in talking to them I know that they've had some uh problems with even in the drive-in industry getting people to come out because people are still a little hesitant to come out so um, I think they've actually been busier in the past which is interesting uh, but I've I've really enjoyed the experience just the uh, other weekend we went and saw Kong Skull Island and Godzilla and being able to get out of the car in between the movies and look out and just see all of the stars up in the sky and it was a perfect clear night and I had a picnic plate of a hot dog, baked beans, and macaroni salad. And it was 
good time. I was just in my happy, it's my happy place. Uh, just being able to sit and watch a movie outside and not have to worry about anything else. And I think that more people who um, experience that, the more people who will be interested in continuing to go back and check it out again and again with other movies that come out. Yeah, last week I actually went to a theater that is a an in-person inside theater who has adapted. It's an independent theater, Penn Cinema here in, uh, in the Lancaster, Pennsylvania area. And they've adapted and they put a giant um, display screen on the outside of their building so that they could do drive-in movies. And so that's been one of the shifts they've made to try and keep generating income during this. And we went to see... Uh, for my birthday, we went to see Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, which was, it was fun. I enjoyed the experience. Um, there's an element to it where the, and with the drive-in where you're always kind of trying to get something right. Like the movie started about 9.08 p.m. And at the beginning part of the movie, there was still a little bit of light out. And so there's a little bit of light pollution on the screen. Um, some of the blacks, some of the blacks don't show up as crisply. Um, the audio is actually not bad between the audio of everybody else around you and cranking uh-huh. up your own through the radio transmitter. Thankfully, they don't use those stupid little boxes that they, uh, they used to use a long time ago. Uh, but overall, it was a fun experience. Um, I enjoyed it. and I would, I would certainly go back and certainly want to do it again. So I'm up for seeing movies, however, but if you're you're dying for a movie look up a local drive-in yeah definitely check out your local drive-ins like i said point in northumberland is a fantastic one we drive an hour and a half there probably two times a month so you know it's worth it (laughs) yeah so give your drive-in theater a look there's got to be one near you somewhere so check them out it's it's a worthwhile experience for families and it's a much safer environment uh depending on what, what area you're in. All right. So this past week, July 18th, to be specific, was the 12th anniversary of the release of The Dark Knight, the second of the Dark Knight trilogy done by Christopher Nolan um, after, after Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, and then, of course, uh, The Dark Knight Rises. So the middle one, The Dark Knight, uh, debuted 12 years ago this past week. It went on to be one of the highest grossing films of all time. It's the one that featured Heath Ledger as a Joker. And if you were forgetting, Heath Ledger actually died before the release of the movie and won a posthumous Oscar for his performance as the Joker. And this was an incredible movie. So 12 years on, how do you, how do you feel about the movie? After 12 years, years is such such a weird anniversary. Yeah, <laughs> I've got to say, first of all, very specific. But uh, I, uh, the Dark Knight for me is the best conventional superhero movie that's ever been made. Um, it's not my favorite superhero movie because my favorite superhero movie is Unbreakable, but that's mm-hmm. an argument over whether that's an actual superhero <laughs> movie or not. Indeed. So the Dark Knight stands above everything else, in my opinion, as far as. Uh, what's come before and after it. It's uh, uh, Along with Batman Begins, it set a new tone for what a superhero movie could be, and I think it leaned into it even more than uh, the tone that Batman Begins started. Um, Ledger's performance, obviously, is 
phenomenal, just breathtaking. Um, I remember watching it in the theater for the first time and just really, there are very few times that an actor has me in awe and he, he did in that movie. He was, he was every bit the Joker. Uh, he was hundred percent committed to the role. You could tell that he was invested and it just made the movie powerful from start to finish. And I got the chance to see it probably four times in the theater. I think I saw it in IMAX two times and just the grand scale of it, but the small scale of it at the same time, it's just, it's, it's a great movie. There's a reason why it's so well reviewed by critics and audiences alike. Yeah. And it really is a shame that it did not win more Oscars. It was just, I think it ran up against the conventional wisdom of what a superhero film was. And it just wasn't thought of that a movie about comic book heroes could actually generate that level of sophistication and turn a film of that nature into high art. And it really, really was. And I can remember the hype building for the movie prior to it, both with Ledger's death and with the idea of Ledger, his performance. I remember hearing an interview with Michael Caine, who, uh, who was in the movie also. And he, he gave an interview before. It's like, you will not want to miss this. He is actually terrifying as the Joker. And I can remember hearing when he was cast as a Joker, I didn't get it. I honestly, I did not get it. I did not I see that feeling. <laughs> how Heath Ledger was going to be a worthwhile Batman in an actual serious Batman role. Um, if you remember the original Batman trilogy and even the cartoon before that and everything, there was a very, very comic booky feel about it. Mm. Um, it was very, very comic booky and cartoonish. And so when Nolan released Batman Begins, you could tell he was on a different, more serious track, but that just got elevated to another level. And I was reading, actually, I was reading an article this past week that talked about some of the makings of it and some of the behind the scenes stuff and the detail they went into just to get all the little nuances right with the Joker and with his character um, in terms of all the makeup. And they were talking to the makeup artists and they were saying how Heath actually had to like hold his face in a specific position while he was getting the, the makeup put on him so that there would actually be lines in his face. Mm. And so the detail they went to, like what would it look like if this was a character who didn't reapply his makeup all the time, but just put it on every few days. And so you get all the worn marks and all the lines and stuff worn off. And just that gritty nature of it really, really enhanced his character and enhance that role. Um, so just the level of detail that they went to in order to make this movie correct and, and to do it well. And so one of the things I was thinking about and get your opinion on this is, has your opinion of the Heath Ledger's Joker in The Dark Knight changed at all since last year's release of Joker, which starred Joaquin Phoenix, which took a definitely a different approach to the character? Has that changed your opinion of The Dark Knight at all? I kind of almost look at it as a continuum of characters. When you look at all the way back to Cesar Romero and then to Jack Nicholson and uh, then on to Heath Ledger and then on to Joaquin Phoenix and, oh yeah, Jared Leto. <laughs> well, I'll talk about that one. Um, each one, 
each one of them as you go through has had it seemed like it's it's gotten a little darker every single time uh the romero one was more of a very much a cartoon villain i would say and although the batman original movies uh, from the 80s and 90s were cartoony i still feel like there was some menace in nicholson's character that came across pretty strongly and um there was something underneath uh the humor there that was a little bit scary uh and then ledger just took it to a different level with uh, the casting and the direction to be gritty and then uh joaquin phoenix i think just joaquin phoenix brought it from being a gritty uh comic book character to being just kind of a broken person a broken man and so I, I think it's been a slow, steady progression along that way. And I don't think Joaquin Phoenix's character happens without Heath Ledger's performance because it kind of set the tone for what the Joker could be uh, in the future. Yeah, I look at them almost as two entirely separate entities. While they play the same character, they do so very differently. One of the things that I loved about The Dark Knight was they intentionally created a fog around who he was, his motivations, how he came to be. Even come down to the stories of, he tells multiple stories about how he got his scars, leaving the audience completely confused as to which story is correct and which story isn't. They give absolutely nothing away in terms of where his character came from, what's driving him. And you take that and then you almost take it and completely reverse that with last year's Joker, which was entirely about how you create a character of this level of menace. Um, and so while I both think they, they both movies have tremendous value, I like, I like the kind of wild card nature of the Dark Knight, Heath Ledger version of the Joker a little bit better. I can't disagree with that. Awesome. All right. Well, let's let's move on and let's wrap up today with our watch lists. So uh, each week we'll talk about uh, what we watched the previous week and give a quick review or some quick things that if you want to watch the movie might be interesting to you. And then we'll proceed to give a list of what we're going to watch this coming week. So, uh, Rob, actually, why don't you get started? What what have you what did you watch over the past week? So I'm only going to talk about one movie because I. I don't even know how to describe what I saw with my eyes. Um, but there's a movie that came out recently called Color Out of Space, starring mm. Nicolas Cage. And it's an adaptation of an H.P. Lovecraft short story. If you know anything about H.P. Lovecraft, uh, you know that you're already in for some kind of ride because he is one of the most creative, insane, genius, disturbed writers of his time. And he wrote this short story about basically a meteor falling down from space and taking over everyone's mind in the house that lived on the property. Nicholas Cage plays the father of this family. And over the course of the movie, each one of the family members becomes a little bit more insane. <laughs> and they slowly each become a little more mad. And I'm not going to give everything away, but just, to give you some idea of what you might be in for, uh, we've got like a colorful color exploding well 
We've got Nicolas Cage inexplicably changing his accent halfway through the movie, and I think it's supposed to indicate that his character is going crazy, but I'm not sure. (laughs) We've got uh, people's bodies fusing together. We've got animals' bodies fusing together. We've got all kinds of murder and mayhem. And I I said to my wife, and she agreed with me because this is definitely not my wife's kind of movie, that about an hour and a half through it, she said, I can't stop watching. This movie is awful, but I can't stop watching. It's like a beautiful car crash. And I said, you're absolutely right because it's just, it's incredibly beautiful, very colorful, but one of the wildest, disturbing psychotic films that I've ever had the privilege I guess of watching and I definitely recommend you watch it if you want to feel like you're going insane two thumbs up (laughs) was it on any of the particular services or did you rent that one uh that one I rented from Redbox and looked up and the only one it's on currently is Hoopla which is the library one so if you have a library card uh check out Color Out of Space and you no need to thank me because you probably won't want to. <laughs> okay. I think it. I, I think it got a solid uh, like thirty six out of one hundred on my scale. If that gives you any kind of idea. But All right. I would watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it. Uh, for me, I was I had a bunch of different uh, movies that I watched this week, but I'll start with this one. My wife had uh, my wife had rented me for my birthday. She rented me a documentary on the Jamaican soccer team called Reggae Boys. Mm. Um, there is a local like indie art house cinema in uh, here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, that they're not meeting in person, obviously, but they're renting their movies out. Um, so you can rent their movies online. And so this one follows the Jamaican soccer team as they attempted to qualify for the 2014 World Cup. And so it was a, it was a really fascinating documentary because it kind of mixes reggae culture and reggae music with how they feel about the soccer team. So they kind of follow this reggae band around and ask them questions about how they feel about the soccer team. You get a lot of impressions about the perform, how the performance of the, the reggae boys, Jamaican soccer team, um, what kind of impact that has on the culture. And they do have some behind the scenes access to, um, to the team when they were filming this documentary. But it's interesting because it really didn't focus on most of the players. It did focus some on one particular player who played in their amateur um, domestic league trying to make the national team but it's really fascinating because you could see the role of the soccer team played in their culture and even the re- the how much the reggae music factored into the soccer team and into that culture and just to see how soccer fit into that culture was really fascinating there was a there was a really really interesting scene where after um, a devastating loss to the U.S. In oh which, what a shame yeah, and we remember watching this game, too, because uh, both of us are big soccer fans. But it was a game where the U.S. was up one nothing, and Jamaica absolutely needed to get something out of it, a tie or a win, in order to stay able to qualify, stay in the running. And they tie it up in the last minute of the game, and then the U.S. comes back down in injury time and scores to win it. And it just devastated the Jamaicans. 
And so afterwards in this documentary, they're showing you in the locker room as the prime minister of Jamaica is hugging crying players. Mm. And so it was just a really fascinating, uh, fascinating to see thing to see. And you can get, there's, there's, there's politics and soccer in every single country and every single country, you know, there's whining and complaining about the national team. So it was a great, it was a great opportunity. So if you, uh, if you get a chance to check out Radio Boys, you can go to zoetropolis.com. Uh, I think um, if you're interested in renting that one. Um, yeah, this is not the soccer podcast, but it's our, the other thing we're nerds about. So we, it might seep in every once in a while. Sorry. Yeah. So it was, it was a great documentary. I thought it was really well done. Um, a couple other things I watched. Um, I watched The Goldfinch, which is on Amazon Prime. And so it was, I saw it in theaters and then I watched it again. And yeah, it was interesting. It was interesting to see it again. It is not a light movie. It is definitely a movie that, that you, you feel the trauma of it the whole way through. And you don't, you always feel unsettled the entire way through the movie. And without giving too much away, there is one particular moment that I think, that I think really cements his path and cements what he, what happens to him. And it's right after, you know, this is a little spoiler alert, so you can skip ahead if you if you don't want to hear it, but it's right after, right after his mother dies and he's staying with this family and he's about ready to go on vacation with this family and they're, they're thinking about adopting him and then his, his biological dad shows up. I think that was the moment that really, really changed the trajectory of the story. Yeah, I think that it's a movie that you, you can't really get all of if you only watch one time. Like you yeah. said, it's, it's heavy and I think that it's one that is made for multiple viewings for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not an easy watch, but I think it was a well done movie. I think it's worth it's worth uh, it's worth checking out. And uh, another one I, I watched with my wife last weekend. Sometimes it's hard for me to find movies that my wife and I can watch together because she has a pretty she likes movies, but she has a pretty narrow window of stuff that she really gets into. And so we watched Age of Adeline, which came out a number of years ago now, but it is it is a really well done romantic drama. Um, I really enjoy the characters. Um, the premise of the movie is um, Adeline is uh, Blake Lively's character. And when she is in her 20s, she has an accident and then doesn't age. And so the plot of the movie comes about um, from her basically being about 100 years old and living in modern day times, but still looking like she's in her mid 20s and what that has done to her emotionally. Um, the fact that she doesn't age and everybody around her does. So it's just, it's really well done. And, it, and there's, a, it's, there's a lot of the emotional elements really hit on point. And Harrison Ford is in that as well. And it was, it's just, it's a really good heartfelt drama that talks a lot about um, the emotional depths of what it what it means to to become comfortable with the person you are and the situations that you're in so that's worth checking out all right so what are we doing what are you doing for this week what are you, what's on tap for you this week well i'm watching the new netflix movie 
So the <laughs> the old guard, that's where I'll be. Okay. I'm sure I'll, I'm, I'm sure I'll be watching several other things, but that's one that I'll say for sure will be on the list. Yeah. Yeah, I'll probably try and check that one out as well. Um, for me, um, I'm going to hit up Uncut Gems. I meant to do it a few weeks ago and never got around to it, so that's still... Enjoy uh, an hour and 50-minute long panic attack. <laughs> that's what that movie is. I think it sounds so worth watching. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great movie that I don't know if I ever want to see again. I'll just say that. <laughs> Interesting. I will, uh, I will let you know if I feel the same way. <laughs> and I'm probably going to watch. Uh, I'm probably going to watch Yesterday. Um, film came out uh, last year about uh, a guy who wakes up from an accident, and realizes he's the only one who knows who the Beatles are. So, I saw it once before, and it was a fun movie. I enjoyed it. So, it comes with an interesting premise that uh, if you transplanted the Beatles' music into modern day times when nobody knew what the Beatles were, would they be as popular as they were back then? I think so, but it's that's the premise it's based on. So it's really interesting. So, you got anything else for me? I think we're good. Awesome. Well, that will be our podcast for tonight. So thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can get it through any of the platforms. Uh, subscribe to it. We'll try to do these every week. We can and uh, leave us a review. We'd like to know how we're doing and ways we can improve and tell your friends and family about us. We'd love to be able to grow this and uh, to continue doing it and having fun. So thank you so much for tuning in and you are in on the ground floor with the rest of us. So welcome to the podcast and thanks for tuning. Have a good one. See ya.